You're listening to L-Town Radio, the Livingston Library Podcast. There's practically no limit to what you can learn and see when you belong to the Livingston Library. From science and technology to grants and genealogy, our library is virtually an information galaxy. This library is yours and this library. Thank you for tuning in to L-Town Radio, the Livingston Public Library podcast. My name is Joe from the Adult Services and Acquisitions Department, and as always, I'm your host. Coming up later in the show, Jessica is going to tell us about some of the exciting new books headed toward the library in September. Archana will talk about some of the programs coming up on our September calendar. Hong Mei will share an excerpt from one of Chopin's Nocturnes, and the crew will talk about some of the poetry and books and films and music that put us in the mood for autumn. But first, I would like to talk about Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, I feel safe saying, is without a doubt one of the most fascinating and iconic film actors of the past 40 years. Um, I have been watching him pretty much my entire life. I remember being very young in the late 80s and seeing him in Raising Arizona and Moonstruck. Then in kind of the early 90s, he acted in a lot of kind of mainstream comedies and dramas like It Could Happen to You and Honeymoon in Vegas and movies like that. But then in the mid-90s, Nicolas Cage became the Nicolas Cage that we all know and whom I love personally. starting with his Oscar-winning performance in Leaving Las Vegas in 1995. Uh, Then he became kind of a postmodern action hero in movies like The Rock and Face Off and Con Air. And since then, his career has kind of been all over the map, for better and for worse. Often for the better, in my opinion. His nouveau shamanic style um, of acting, as he describes it, can be anywhere between carefully subtle or wildly unhinged, and the movies he appears in can be anywhere between prestigious dramas or gory grindhouse flicks, and even if all of his movies aren't exactly winners, his choices as an actor are always uniquely inspired, and his commitment to each role is undeniable. I bring up Nicolas Cage because uh, on September 20th, We will be resurrecting our Tuesday night movie series and we'll be kicking it off with a screening of the 2022 film The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Probably the Nicolas Cagiest film made to date Um, in it. Nicolas Cage stars as Nick Cage. It's a satirical spin on his larger-than-life persona, both on screen and off. And uh, this Nick Cage forms a friendship with one of his biggest fans who is played by Pedro Pascal who you might recognize from uh, The Mandalorian as The Mandalorian or Game of Thrones or Wonder Woman 1984 and he himself 
is a huge Nicolas Cage fan in real life. You certainly don't need to be a huge Nicolas Cage fan yourself to enjoy the unbearable weight of massive talent, though it's even more enjoyable if you are. Uh, It is a compelling and thrilling and moving and overall highly entertaining story about friendship and celebrity and redemption, and it manages to capture the spirit of numerous other Cage classics. It's got the pathos of leaving Las Vegas. It's got the madcap humor of raising Arizona. It's got blockbuster action like face-off it's got metafictional hijinks like adaptation so it really covers the entire Nicolas Cage spectrum the unbearable weight of massive talent is rated R and it runs one hour and 47 minutes we will be screening it on the big screen in our program room with English subtitles for the hard of hearing again that date is September 20th which is a Tuesday night starting at 7 p.m. The screening is open to everyone and there's no registration necessary. In the meantime, of course, if you would like to uh, satiate your appetite for all things Nicolas Cage, there are certainly no shortage of Cage materials that you can check out through the library with your Livingston Library card. So if you're in the mood for more serious thespian Cage, uh, you can check out films like the 2003 film Matchstick Men, directed by Ridley Scott, uh, the two- 2021 film Pig, um, Red Rock West, a kind of neo-noir film from the early 90s, Bringing Out the Dead from 1999, that's a Martin Scorsese movie where Nicolas Cage plays a paramedic, and Nicolas Cage himself recently said that it's one of his personal favorite performances of his. There's also Joe, the 2013 film directed by David Gordon Green, that kind of resurrected Nicolas Cage's career in the 2010s. Um, If you're in the mood for more comic Cage, there's films like uh, Moonstruck, which I mentioned earlier. Also Valley Girl, one of Cage's first performances in an extremely early 1980s film. There's Peggy Sue Got Married, directed by Nicolas Cage's real-life uncle, Francis Ford Coppola. And, of course, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which features a delightful performance uh, in voice form by Nicolas Cage. For more postmodern action hero Nicolas Cage, in addition to Face Off, which I mentioned earlier, you can check out The Rock, the 1996 Michael Bay film. That's also kind of an unofficial James Bond sequel. That's where Nicolas Cage and the late, great Sean Connery must work together to break into Alcatraz in order to save a group of hostages. There's Con Air, 1997, in which Nicolas Cage must stop a plane full of dangerous convicts, played by the likes of John Malkovich, Steve Buscemi, Danny Trejo, Ving Rames, and Dave Chappelle. And then there's the action-adventure caper, National Treasure. Or, if you are in the mood for full-on Gonzo Cage, you can't go wrong with movies like Mandy, or The Color Out of Space, or Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, directed by Werner Herzog. There's Vampire's Kiss, or David Lynch's Wild at Heart, or the film Mom and Dad, in which a mysterious plague suddenly turns a town's population of parents against their children. All of these movies are available to watch 
or borrow using your Livingston Library card, either on DVD or through the streaming platforms Canopy, that's Canopy with a K, or Hoopla Digital at hoopladigital.com. Oh, I also should mention, if you don't want to just watch Nicolas Cage, but you want to read about Nicolas Cage, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. Uh, It just came out this year. It's called Age of Cage, Four Decades of Hollywood Through One Singular Career. It's written by a great film critic named Keith Phipps, who uh, once wrote for publications like the AV Club and the Dissolve. And uh, here is the description from the publisher. Icon, celebrity, artist, madman, genius. Nicolas Cage is many things, but love him or laugh at him. There's no denying two things. You've seen one of his many films, and you certainly know his name. But who is he, really? And why has his career endured over 40 years with more than 100 films and birthed a million memes? Age of Cage is a smart, beguiling book about the films of Nicolas Cage and the actor himself, as well as a sharp-eyed examination of the changes that have taken place in Hollywood over the course of his career. Critic and journalist Keith Phipps draws a portrait of the enigmatic icon by looking at, what else, Cage's expansive filmography? As Phipps delights in charting Cage's films, Age of Cage also chronicles the transformation of film as Cage's journey takes him through the world of 1980s comedies, to the indie films and blockbuster juggernauts of the 1990s, through the video-on-demand world of today. Sweeping in scope and intimate in its profile of a fiercely passionate artist, Age of Cage is, like the man himself, surprising, insightful, funny, and one of a kind. So snap out of it and enjoy this appreciation of Nicolas Cage, National Treasure. All right, that's enough Cage for this episode, although I certainly could go on. Now, let's hear about some more programs we have coming up on our September calendar with Archana. Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you all had an enjoyable summer and are ready to welcome September along with a fresh slate of library programs and events. The first adult program I would like to highlight takes place on September 12th at 7 p.m. It is called Hollywood Yiddishkeit, Jewish Images in American Film. With fascinating film clips and behind-the-scenes stories, entertainment historian John Kendrick examines a rich but rarely discussed cinematic legacy, how film depictions of Jews and Judaic culture have evolved from the silent era right up to the present. How did early silent films rely on ethnic stereotypes? When did screen depictions of Jews and their culture evolve? How have films dealt with the Holocaust and its survivors? And how have recent films dealt with formerly ignored aspects of Jewish life? These are some of the questions John will attempt to answer in this multimedia presentation. Next, in celebration of National Hispanic Heritage Month, the library has scheduled an art talk on the great artists of Latin America by artist and educator Suzanne Altman. And this is on the evening of September 19th at 7 p.m. The illustrated slide presentation will explore many significant artists originating in Mexico, Central and South America, including the groundbreaking contributions of the three major Mexican muralists, Diego Rivera, David Sequeros, and Jose Orozco. Suzanne will explore the unique paintings of Frida Kahlo and Fernando Botero, 
and the cutting-edge work of contemporary artists in performance art, installations, and conceptual media. Significant contributions by Latin women such as Anna Mendieta and Carmen Herrera will be included as well. Now, if you're a lover of flowers and flower arrangements, you wouldn't want to miss this program coming up on September 12th, 21st at 11 a.m. on the principles of floral design. Did you know that floral design encompasses botany, poetry, engineering, sculpture, color theory, and choreography? In this lecture and demonstration by floral designer Elise Bernhardt, you will discover easy and affordable ways of making aesthetically pleasing flower arrangements using basic floral design principles. Elise will demonstrate basic floral design and arrangement concepts using fresh materials, compositional principles from Ikebana, and ways to work with ecologically friendly floral materials to make sustainable arrangements. She will talk about the importance of and the science behind working with flowers and having them in your space. She will also talk about the duet between containers and flowers, so you learn how to make arrangements specifically for different vases. We have plenty more to offer in September, which you can find from our event calendar. And we sure hope to see you at these in-person library events. Thank you very much. Thank you, Archana. Now, of course, September means not only a slate of exciting programs on our calendar, it also means a whole new supply of books headed our way. And to tell us more about that, here's the head of our Adult Services and Acquisitions Department, Jessica. Are you excited for new fall book releases? Mark your calendars for these books hitting our shelves this September. Please note that descriptions are taken from the publisher. The Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell, September 6th. The author of Hamnet, New York Times bestselling author and National Book Award winner, brings the world of the Renaissance Italy to jewel bright life in this unforgettable portrait of the captivating young Duchess Lucrezia di Medici as she makes her way in a troubled court. Fairy Tale by Stephen King, September 6. Legendary storyteller Stephen King goes into the deepest well of his imagination in this spellbinding novel about a 17-year-old boy who inherits the keys to a parallel world where good and evil are at war. And the stakes could not be higher for that world or ours. A Song of Comfortable Chairs by Alexander McCall Smith, September 6. In this latest installation of the beloved number one ladies detective agency series, Grace Makuski encounters a pair of quandaries that require all of her and Emma Ramisto's cleverness and generosity to resolve. Dreamland by Nicholas Sparks, September 20th. From the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Wish comes a poignant love story of risking everything for a dream and whether it's possible to leave the past behind. Lucy by the Sea by Elizabeth Strout, September 20th. From Pulitzer Prize winning number one New York Times bestselling author Elizabeth Strout comes a poignant pitch perfect novel about a divorced couple stuck together during lockdown and the love lost in despair and hope that animate us even as the world seems to be falling apart. The Golden Enclaves by Naomi Novik, September 27th. Saving the world is a test no school of magic can prepare you for and the triumphant conclusion to the New York Times bestselling trilogy that began with a deadly education and the last graduate. 
The winner is by Frederick Backman, September 27th. The long-awaited conclusion to the beloved New York Times best-selling and engrossing Beartown series, which inspired an HBO series of the same name, follows the small hockey town's residents as they grapple with change, pain, hope, and redemption. You'll find these books and many more on the library shelves this September. Be sure to stop by the reference desk and let us know what you're reading. We can't wait to see you at the library. See you soon and happy fall reading. Thanks very much, Jessica. And now let's enjoy a brief musical interlude with Hong Mei. September is Classical Music Month. Today, we will listen to a famous classic music by Chopin. Chopin composed nocturnes throughout his career, including 18 published and 3 unpublished nocturnes. His most famous nocturne is Opus 9, number 2. Now, let's enjoy. Thank you for sharing that, Hong Mei. We'll have a little bit more music coming up later in the episode. But for now, it's time for our monthly question that I pose to the crew. Of course, September brings fall, so I thought this month I would ask the crew if there are any particular books, films, poetry, or music that really gets them in the mood for the fall season. And here's what they had to say, starting with Jessica. Pumpkin spice season is one of my favorite seasons. Fall books, fall movies, fall beverages. However, for me, it isn't officially fall without watching Disney's Hocus Pocus and revisiting the tale of the three Sanderson sisters. What makes this fall even more special is that a Hocus Pocus sequel will be coming to Disney this fall. If you're looking to watch the original and the sequel on Disney+, Plus, you can do so with your Livingston Library card. Livingston Library cardholders can check out a Roku with access to the Disney streaming service. If you'd rather read a book than watch a movie, you can also borrow Hocus Pocus and the all-new sequel by A.W. Jantha from the library. I have no idea if the sequel imagined in Jantha's book will be the same as the movie sequel, but it is always a joy to spend time with these characters. Thank you, Jessica. And now here to talk about a particularly autumnal poem. Here once again is Hong Mei. Many poets were struck by the beauty of autumn so much that they composed upon it. William Shakespeare, John Clare, John Keats, D.H. Lawrence all had beautiful poems about autumn. Of all the poems about autumn, I love John Keats' poem the best. John Keats was an English romantic poet. In 1819, he composed To Autumn, After a Walk Near Winchester, 
one autumn evening. It describes three different aspects of the season: its fruitfulness, its labor, and its ultimate decline. Through the three stanzas, there is a progression from early autumn to mid autumn, and then to the heralding of winter. Now let's listen and enjoy his poem. Seasons of mist and mellow fruitfulness, close bosom friend of the maturing sun, conspiring with him how to load and bless with fruit the vines that round the thatch eaves run, to bend with apples the mossed cottage trees, and fill all fruit with ripeness to the core, to swell the gourd and plump. The hazel shells with a sweet kernel, to set budding more and still more later flowers for the bees, until they think warm days will never cease, for summer has o'erbrimmed their clammy cells. Thanks again, Hongmei. As for me, when I try to think about literature that gets me in the mood for fall. Most of it tends to be in the horror genre, such as Ray Bradbury's "Something Wicked This Way Comes," you know, because of Halloween. So I think maybe I'll 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 save that for next month's podcast in October. But for now, I'd like to share some albums that put me in the mood for fall, starting with Neil Young's "Harvest." With his lonesome, delicate prairie wind voice and his fondness for rustling folk rock textures, Neil Young is to autumn what the Beach Boys are to summer. Basically, Harvest is arguably his most renowned album, but so many of his others, like his self-titled debut, or my personal favorite, After the Gold Rush, or 1992's Harvest Moon, or his recently unearthed Homegrown, any of those would. Fit just as snugly on this list, and even though Neil Young recently pulled all his music from the Spotify streaming flat platform, you can still stream many of his albums on HooplaDigital.com using your Livingston Library card. My next favorite fall album is Nina Simone's 1965 collection "I Put a Spell on You." It's one of Nina Simone's most pop-flavored albums.、Um, her voice always crackles like burning logs. Her piano stylings swing from refreshingly warm to invigoratingly cool. 
Kind of like when late September days turn to nights and back again. Next is the 1993 album So Tonight That I Might See by Mazzy Starr. right before there was Lana Del Rey, there was Mazzy Starr, and their lead singer Hope Sandoval. The album is drenched in twilight reverb, cocooned in hazy guitars, and riding a desolate highway of percussion. Hope Sandoval's dreamy vocals fill the purgatorial canyon between summer's dog days and winter's discontent. Next, Shoots Too Narrow by The Shins. After all... Implements and text designed by intellects so vexed you find evidently there's so much that hides. And though the saints of us divine in ancient feeding lines, their sentiment is just as hard to pluck from the vine. On this 2003 indie rock classic, the Shins singer-songwriter James Mercer uses vivid literary lyrics and intricate melodies to wrestle with some awfully autumnal strains of angst and melancholy. Next is Tree of Life by Lila Downs. Lila Downs' voice blends jazzy finesse with operatic power as her music stirs up a savory, earthy melting pot of indigenous Mexican folk traditions. Next, Pieces of the Sky by Emmylou Harris. hearty feast of country, folk, and rock with sides of gospel and adult contemporary. It includes gems like Boulder to Birmingham and If I Could Only Win Your Love, plus exceptional covers of songs by Dolly Parton, Merle Haggard, and The Beatles. Next is Journey in Sachindananda by Alice Coltrane featuring Pharaoh Sanders. Thank you. 
Alice Coltrane's heavenly harp and sublime piano float blissfully around Pharaoh Sanders' sultry saxophone. Together, they forge a spicy, slow-simmering fusion of cosmic jazz, Indian classical, and North African music. Next is Genuine Negro Jig by the Carolina Chocolate Drops. Beans and you across the table, eating them beans and making love as long as I am able. Hoeing corn and cotton too, and when the day is over, ride the mule and cut the fool and love begin all over. Goodbye, don't you cry, I'm going to Louisiana. This group's modern take on the centuries-old African-American string music of the Carolinas evokes delightfully rickety hayrides, jaunty folk dances, and a cornucopia of other harvest time festivities. And their rendition of cornbread and butter beans from this record gets played a lot at my house, especially around Thanksgiving. Next up, Moanin' in the Moonlight by Howlin' Wolf. When the rusty autumn moon hangs high in the midnight sky and your heart is wailing in woe, Howlin' Wolf will walk with you and feel your pain. Or maybe you might just want to spend part of a chill evening listening to Smokestack Lightning on an indefinite loop like I sometimes do, simply because Smokestack Lightning is one of the greatest tracks ever recorded. And finally, one of my top ten favorite autumn albums is White Blood Cells by the White Stripes. From the seasonally apt opener, Dead Leaves and the Dirty Ground. Dead leaves and the dirty ground When I know you're not around To the endearing back-to-school ditty, We Are Going to Be Friends. To the hauntingly enigmatic closer, this protector. White Stripes' breakthrough album is a magnificently muddy swirl of punky folk and gothic blues. Sometimes it's raw and bitter, and sometimes it's tender and lovely, and sometimes it's all those things at once, just like fall itself. That reminds me, before I go, I want to mention that my musical story time program for children approximately two to five years of age and their caregivers 
that will be coming back this fall. Uh, it's going to be Thursday afternoons between September 15th and October 13th, so that's five weeks, a half hour each from 4 to 4.30 p.m. in the program room in the children's department. We're going to have our usual medley of music and storytelling. That's songs, picture books, puppet shows, dance parties, multimedia presentations, drum circles, egg shaker jams, and so much more. And as always, I will close each musical story time with my rendition of The White Stripes, We Are Going to Be Friends. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, the musical story time program brings me so much joy, and a big part of that is because it seems to bring all the children and their parents and caregivers so much joy as well. So I hope we'll see you at Musical Story Time starting on September 15th. Well, that'll do it for this episode of L-Town Radio. I want to thank Jessica, Archana, and Hongmei for their contributions this month. I want to thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. I hope you'll tune in again next month and every month thereafter. Don't forget you can listen to and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also check us out online. You can start on our website, livingstonlibrary.org, which will be your portal to all kinds of digital resources that you can access with your Livingston Library card. You can also read our daily blog at blog.livingstonlibrary.org. You can follow our social media on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, YouTube. And you can always come down and visit us IRL. We are open for all your library needs seven days a week, though we will be closed on September 4th and 5th in honor of Labor Day. But until then, don't forget to stay kind, stay safe, and stay curious.